0: You take your Bibles with me this evening, and we're going to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Chronicles chapter thirty four. We'll read the first seven verses of this of this chapter, and then we'll, end, we'll pray and get, we'll get into the message. Second Chronicles thirty four, verse number one. There, follow me. Um, just there. In verse one, the Bible says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father." And declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. And the images that were on high above them, he cut down. And the groves and the carved images and the molten images, he break in pieces and made dust of them. And strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burned the bones of the priests upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon even unto Naphtali, with their medics round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves and had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, When he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz the recorder to repair the house of the Lord his God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house tonight, Lord, that gave us the opportunity and privilege to observe the Lord's Supper. And Lord, I I pray that as we come to your word tonight, that we'd be um, sensitive and and moldable in your hands to not only hear and just be another message, but Lord, I pray that we would respond uh, as you desire us to respond to, to your word tonight, that it would be pleasing, glorifying to you, uh, not only that your word was preached, but that your people received it. And Lord, I, I pray that, um, that you work in our hearts, and Lord, that your name would be glorified. And I thank you for this church and for, uh, Lord, the many, many years you've given. Of uh, this church and its ministry and and um, being able to reach out to this community here in Sydney and, and even uh, and out of Sydney and in the world, well, I pray that uh, you use this church greater and greater ways in the days to come, Lord, for Your honor and for Your glory. And thank You, Lord, for uh, allowing us now. Open Your Word. Pray You use it. Praise in Jesus' name, Amen. Second Chronicles chapter thirty-four tonight. Every one of us are here because of God's passion and because of a man's passion. God's passion and that he sent his son to die for us and creating a way that you and I can be saved. God's passion and love for humanity is the reason we have the opportunity to be saved. But also we're here because of a man's passion. Because someone one day showed us the way to salvation. Showed us how we could be saved. Show us the message um, of salvation. We're here tonight because of God's passion and a man's passion. Josiah's passion for, was for God. He had an incredible passion for God, one that dictated his steps and his decisions and his reign, but also one that affected our whole generation in a nation that looked after and searched after God while he was leading it. His passion affected a nation. His passion for God led a nation to seek after God. Tonight, we have, every one of us, the responsibility and we are in as believers tonight, the ministry of reconciliation. The, the question is, is our passion for the Lord? In here in Australia and the US and the West, we can say there are many things that can deter and, and take our hearts and distract us from, a, from having a passion for God. And it's something that we need to continually renew in our hearts that our purpose and our focus and the reason we were created and then saved was for God's glory and living for Him. And tonight, as you know, when we, we, we think of. Um, A church, maybe tonight you can say, well, our church is a soul-winning church. Well, sometimes it's a percentage of the church that is soul-winning. Our church is a giving church. Well, maybe there's some that are giving. Our church is a missions-minded church. Well, sometimes it's a percentage of the church. I I don't want you to answer the question tonight, what is your passion, and answer it corporately. Well, our church is doing well. Wanna I want to ask you individually how is your passion for God? And I'm not I'm not talking about how is your passion for ministry, but for God. How is your walk with Him? How is your time? How how is your heart open and hearing to God's instruction and, and His leading in your life? How is your time in prayer? What is your passion? How is your passion for God? The Bible says Josiah sought after God. He didn't seek after the blessings of God. He didn't seek after the renown and and a great kingdom. No, he sought after God. And God gave him an incredible kingdom, incredible reign as a result of his passion for God. How is your passion for God? Because many tonight, many, many, even pastors and, and, and missionaries fail on this that they have a passion for ministry. But ministry has obstacles and trials. And even the people that we serve aren't, are many times ingrates. They're ungrateful. They don't want us to invest in them. They deny and reject and and they and they don't. They don't many times the people that we serve. Do not love us the way that we love them. But the reason that we serve is not because of them, but because of God. Amen. And if our passion for God is waning, then also our, our passion for ministry also fade. How is your passion for God? Tonight, here in this, in, this pas- in this passage, I want to see that Josiah had an incredible passion for God. And I want to see six enduring characteristics that shaped and led Josiah's passion. Firstly, in the first seven verses we just read, we might reread. The Bible says that Josiah begins to reign at eight years old. At 16 years old, he seeks after the God of his father David. And the first thing he does, several years into his reign, the first thing he does is he commands that in all his kingdom, there will not be an idol. There will not be altars. All the graven images will be, will be cut down and they will be turned into powder. Josiah's passion for God led him to have a passion that was a soul passion, only for God. They had been under captivity for many years and they'd taken on the, God, the, the gods of the Babylonians and the gods of the Assyrians. And, and now that Josiah was in reign and his desire was to, to please and to glorify God, he said, we cannot at the same time worship all these idols and we cannot have all these graven images and we need to turn them into powder because our passion and our hearts will be on God and God only. He had a soul passion. I serve in a country that is predominantly Catholic and they have, they have their, the worship of the Virgin Mary and the saints and all the other virgins that they, that they acknowledge and they pray to. And the evangelical or the Christian church many a time point their finger at the Catholics saying that they are idolatrous people. But the truth is tonight that if a believer has family or career or a pastime or money over God... They are just as idolatrous. Can I ask you tonight, is your passion for God a soul passion? Or is it that God is competing for your heart, competes for your time, competes for your resources, because you have it divided with this world and Him? Oh, I've... I've, the first time that the, I, I preached this message was about six months ago. Um, and it was that to our church family. And you'd think that in a church that is seeing people saved every week and every service, we see people saved. Every time we go out soul winning, without exaggeration, situation, every time we have a soul winning time or Bible club, every time we see someone saved, every time. And you think in a church like that, in a ministry like that, that people would just be on fire seeing what God is doing. Yet there are many that are just apathetic. And they can see what God is doing, and it doesn't move them. Many will be in the same, same services and hear the same messages and be in the same conferences and have the same discipleship program, and yet not all are growing the same way. And not have, they don't have the same fruit. And it's not because they're being taught anything differently. And what's lacking is that they, don't, they have a divided passion. They're trying to live for God and for this world at the same time. And they're not being successful in either one of them. Because they're trying to, they're trying to divide and share their, their motive and their heart and their purpose. Josiah's passion was a soul passion. He didn't, and he couldn't share it with anyone else. But I also want you to see this. The Bible says there in verse 8, Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land. Now let's just acknowledge something here. He started to purge the land. The Bible says um, in verse 3, For in the 8th year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of his father the God of David, his father. In the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah. In in verse 3, it says, in the twelfth year of his reign. In verse 8, it says, in the eighteenth year of his reign. He spent six years simply cleaning house. Six years simply getting rid of all the idols, all the altars. But if you notice here, the the verse in verse 8 says, when he had purged the land, So by verse 8, six years later, mission complete. All the idols are gone. The graven images have been cut down. It's been made into powder. And now that that is done, he continues this way. The Bible says, in the eighth year and the house, I'm sorry, now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Notice this now. After they had cleaned house and there was nothing now taking from their hearts and their affection, and there was no other wor- worship of any other any other uh, being, now they could move forward to raising the house of God. Now they could push forward and 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 lift up the uh, you know temple was the temple. It wasn't just the the. The, the structure and just the, the grandeur of a building. No, the temple was a sign and a symbol of the presence of God. And now they were now they raising the, the house of the Lord. They could push forward with raising up God's name among the nation. But they couldn't do that before they had purged the land. And tonight we think of reaching Sydney, reaching Australia, reaching the world for Christ. We're not going to lift up God's name around the world if we still have idols in our life. Things that are distracting us and taking our time and our heart and our affections. We can't push forward if these things are still taking away from our time and our hearts. But I want notice this also there in verse 8. Sorry, in verse 9. When they, when they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought to the house of God which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, and of all the remnant of Israel, and of all Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. Notice what's happening here. Josiah now is pushing forward with the reparation of God's house, and he's telling, well, let's bring in all the tribes, and all the money that's been collected, let's put it towards the building and repairing of God's house. Josiah's passion for God and wanting his name to be exalted led him to pay the price, whatever it was, to the, to the building of God's house. You know, a passion involves a cost. There's a price to pay with a passion. Even having a passion for God, the Lord told us, take up your cross and follow me. There is a passion, there is a price. In our passion for God, you know, in every passion, be it you know, in a, a secular passion, if it's if you're an athlete, an athlete pays a price to win that tournament, in in a in a, a strict exercise and, and dietary regimen, and you know maybe a lack of a social life and just a in focus for years, either if if in that that swimming or that tennis or whatever it may be, they sacrifice. And they pay the price to be the best at what they're at. They pay a price. But also, you know, even a businessman. To start and to push forward a business. Many of them will pay with, with much time and sweat and, 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 and little sleep. And even loss, and many, many even lose their families or have a dysfunctional family paying that price to push forward a business. A passion has a price. And Josiah was willing to pay the price for his passion. If our passion is the Lord, and every one of us, the Lord will ask of us something different. The question is tonight, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to take up the cross? Um, It feels like just, you know, just a few weeks ago that we've, we've been here. But really, it's been almost seven years since the last time we were here. Um, Ricardo was three years old last time we were here. Next week, or oh just this week, our kids, for the first time, met their cousins. Next week, for the first time, my kids will meet their grandparents. My, you, you know, my, my parents serve the Lord in Argentina. Uh, my, my in-laws serve here in, in Sydney. One of the prices the Lord has asked us to pay is the distance of our family. About um, three months ago, my dad, uh, my three months ago, my, my grandma, my dad's side, she passed away. And we, um, yeah, a couple of days later, talked to my dad. And he was, yeah, he was grieving for the death of his, of his mom, but more so, he was a little bit melancholic the fact that we could talk about all the memories that I had with grandma. Because grandma, grew, when in my upbringing, grandma was there. She lived with us. We had many memories with her. My dad was a little melancholic, saying that my kids will not have those memories of him and of my mom. Uh, but I told my dad, dad, you know, we. I, 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 my dad's a, a spiritual man, but at that In that moment, he was he was thinking these things. I told him, Dad, we're going to have a whole eternity to spend together. But if we both, you as myself, we both decide we're going to go back to Sydney, and we're going to you know be in church and we're faithful there, but we're not going to fulfill the calling God has given us. Yeah, we're going to be together. But the price that is going to be paid is that there are many souls who will not hear of the gospel. And if we had decided those 11 years ago, well, I want to be close to home. And I don't, I don't want to leave home. And I don't want to go to a country that's, that's you know, in political distress. And I don't want to be away, away, so far away from family. There would be thousands right now. In the past 11 years that we've seen come Christ, those thousands will still be on their way to hell. And the three churches that my dad is pastoring in Argentina would not have the truth of salvation. There's a price being paid. And in eternity, we'll see the recompense. But tonight, every one of us in following the Lord, God also requires of us a price to pay. a passion for Him. Are we willing? There's someone else that needs to hear the gospel there's someone else that needs you to live out your Christianity and be willing to pay the price either, either it's in your time or it's in, it's in a different lifestyle, it's in a, a different way that you live your life because your passion is God. So they can see so many today are, are even in Australia, looking for hope. But yet they see the Christians that are around them that are living, that are living for the world, and they say, Well, if this person is living for the world, why should I look to their Christ? The Christians who are passionate for God, unashamedly for Him. The Bible tells us that Josiah had a soul passion, he had a costly passion but also he had a shared passion. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 12. The Bible says, and the men did the work faithfully. You know, these were the the laborers, the builders, and they were doing the work faithfully. Josiah had some people around him that shared the same passion. You know, when you have a passion for something, you... You surround yourself by people who have the same passion. Uh and they're in our church there in, in Nicaragua. Um we have many kids um, of the age of eight to twelve years old. And over there, the sport they talk about is either baseball or soccer. And those who are, you know, they go for a certain team, they make it known, and they they share that well, Over there they watch uh Spanish soccer, so it's either Real Madrid or Barcelona? And those who are Barcelona fans, they find each other and they huddle up and they talk about Barcelona. And those who are Madrid fans, they huddle up and they find each other and they share that passion. A mother today, young mother or grandma knows who they will share their passion about their children or their grandchildren with and they find someone else who has that in common. A businessman who has, you know, a passion for business will share also that passion with someone else who has that passion. A Christian with a passion for Christ should also have a shared passion. Should be surrounded, surrounding himself by people who have the same passion. Oh, Christians and I, be weary. Be weary of that, of that man. And, and in every church it happens... Be aware of that person that maybe it's time to sing wonderful grace of Jesus or at the cross and that person is more more worried about the text that he just got or he can see the words and he can read the words and yet it doesn't face him. But be be that person that when it's time to sing of God's truth that you're singing with all your heart because yes, the grace of Jesus is wonderful. Be that person when it's time, hey, it's time to go out soul winning, we're going out to, to street preach, we're going out to hand out tranks, we're going out to door knock. Be that person that yes, I'm the first one, I will be there at the time that, that it's, it's given, and I will, I will bring someone with me, have a passion and share it with somebody else. Be careful by the person who is, is the last one, who's making excuses, doesn't want to be there. Share, be around those who have a passion for the Lord. And if you don't have those people around you, be that person that burns for Christ. Oh, I've I've had the incredible privilege to see people around me burn for the Lord Jesus Christ with a zeal for him. And that's contagious. It's not, I I, I see it and they preach it and they live it and I say, "I, I, I want that. And I want to be surrounded by people who have that passion. One of the, one of the things that, um, you know, being home right now and then with well, the that we just had in the West, we really don't want to, we really don't want to leave Nicaragua. <laughs> um, it's something that we do because we need to, not because we want to. Um, but one of the blessings of coming back to Australia or going to the US, is is being in churches that love the Lord. Is is. Shaking pastor's hand, knowing that, you know, he's, he's in a very dark city, going at it still. With a passion for the Lord. I, was, I met this pastor a couple months ago. He's in a town there in, in Washington, state of Washington in the U.S. A town of, I don't think they have more than 2,000 people in that town. And he's been there like 14, 15 years. And he's just been faithful. With a passion for God. That's encouraging. We should be around people that have a passion for the Lord. Share our passion. Josiah had people around him who were faithful to the Lord. I also want you to see this. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book of the, uh, the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan carried the book to the king, and brought the king word back again, saying, "All that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they ga- and they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and had delivered it into the hands of the overseers and to the hands of the workmen. Up till now, Shaphan was fulfilling his duty of." The, uh, of in charge of finances and supervision of the building. And he comes back to the king and he tells him, Well, the money's been given, the work is being done. He's fulfilling his duty up till now. And look, look, look now, verse 18. Then, then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Notice this the commission given to Shaphan was. The finances and the building. When he comes back to give a report, he pushes that aside to tell to tell the king something more more, more, uh, more exciting, more, more, more needy, something that Shaphan knew that his king wanted to hear. Let me tell you this. Shaphan knew that the passion of his king, Josiah, was for God. And that that King Josiah would be excited and would want to hear God's word. Josiah had a known passion. The people in his charge knew that Josiah loved God. Can I ask you tonight, is your passion for God a known passion? If I were to ask maybe, A family member or a neighbor or co-worker of yours, what your passion was, would they say God? Shaphan knew that Josiah's passion was God. He had a known passion. There's probably some of you here tonight that, you know, everyone knows maybe brother so-and-so likes fishing. Brother so-and-so likes, you know, um, certain sports or the brother so-and-so likes you know, this business and that—that that is, that is known about you. Hope that, that it be known of us, that we have a passion for God and glorifying Him. Josiah's passion was a known passion. A couple of weeks ago um, we were having dinner with um, a professional of mine uh, 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 from West Coast and sitting at a table and there with my family and my two older ones and Ricardo comes and tells me that he wants to go tell Dr. R, Dr. Rasmussen, he wants to go tell him something. I told him, what do you want to go tell him? You know, I'm trying to filter, what's going to happen here? What's going to say? And he says, I want to go tell him that I live, I've led seven souls to Christ. And My son, 10 years old, in the past few months the Lord has used him to lead seven souls to Christ. And he said, I want to go tell Dr. R. I said, go, go tell him. And he went to go and told him, and Dr. R got excited, and he was amening. You know what's interesting there? Ricardo didn't do that for him to feel good, but he did that knowing that brother, doc, or Dr. R, brother so-and-so would be excited about that. Dr. R and Ricardo knew that Dr. R's passion was souls. He had a known passion. Can I ask you tonight, what is your passion? And is it known to be for God? Josiah's passion was a known passion. And I want to see also this in verse 19. The Bible says, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law. That he rent his clothes. It's a very cultural thing that when they something is you know angers or in, indignant, or uh, a, a reaction is to rent a clothes. Uh, in the following verses, you see that King Josiah hearing hearing what God thought of them and of their walk and how they were, Josiah it didn't it didn't sit well with him. He couldn't just hear God's word and well say, well, those are some nice words. No, his passion for God and his his desire to please God led him to act on what he heard. Tonight, you know, you you might have time of daily devotions and God speaks to you and you come to church and your pastor opens God's word and God speaks to you again. And God's Word is not given for us simply to say, what nice words, what a nice message, what a nice sermon. As if it's poetry or literature. God's Word is given us for us to respond to, to decide upon and to live out. Josiah hearing God's Word led him to have an activated passion. He lived it out. Notice this, look what the Bible says in verse 30. In verse 30 of 2 Chronicles 34, the Bible says here, and the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all and all and and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites, and all the people, great and small. And he read in the ears all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem, Benjamin, to stand to it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Now he's saying, "Now that I've heard this, we're going to live out God's word. We're gonna we have these commandments and this covenant and these statutes that we're going to live for the Lord." And he not only it not only decided upon his life, but he decided upon the kingdom that we are going to live pleasing God. A passion for God leads us to have an activated passion. We can't we can't say Amen to you know the Lord say give our tithes and offerings, and we say amen, yet we don't do it. We say amen, yes, souls need Christ, and yet we don't go win souls. We say amen, yes, faithful to God's house, and we're still every service deciding whether or not I'm going to go to church. A passion for God leads me to live out your passion. I, when I was a kid... My dad, my dad was a fan of, of Barcelona, and I took, I took on that, you know, because my dad was, I became a fan of Barcelona. But a, a few months ago, I think my, my son and I, we had the opportunity to watch a game, and I think I hadn't watched a game in over 20 years. And I don't know who plays on the team, and I don't know who wins and what they've done, and, and really I can't say I'm a fan of Barcelona because I really am just so disconnected from what's going on. Can a Christian really say... He's a Christian without following Christ. The title Christian was not given because there were people being saved. The title Christian was given to those who were living out Christ. We know that we we're, we're born again believers in the moment we trust in Christ but the title of Christian were those who, was those was, Christos mean there were little Jesus, there were models of Christ, they were living it out. Can we really say we have a passion for God if we're not living out His word? Josiah hearing God's word, is having a passion for God, led him to live out his passion. But also want to see this, and here we're going to, to finish up in verse thirty three. The Bible says in Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertain to the children of Israel, and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Notice this, that phrase that the Bible says, And all his days. Josiah's passion for God was a consuming passion. One that that was not just of youth, you know, 16-year-old with a fervor and a zeal. No, the Bible says that all his days, he sought after God. It was a consuming passion, one that consumed his life and his steps and his decisions, but also that consumed a whole nation and generation. A consuming passion. in the 60s, there was a church in Oklahoma City that sent off a missionary to Central America. And this missionary went and he started faithfully doing what God had called him to do, leading souls to Christ and established a local church. And he led a man to Christ called Alfonso Chacon. Alfonso Chacon was a, a, a very successful businessman, owning a transport company and many men under his employment and uh, drivers, uh, you know, semi-trailers in his employments. And him coming to Christ, he, he just had a zeal and a burden to see those in his employment come to Christ. And one man in particular, a man that was a, a drunk and a womanizer and a drug addict and just lived a wicked life. He saw this man and that he had his wife and his six children, just, just had a, a miserable life knowing that what this man's need was Christ. And he started sharing the gospel with him, and he started inviting him to church. And in so much insisting, this man one day decided, I'm going to go to church. And he went back to his house, and he told his wife, and he told his six children who professed to be Catholic that they're going to church. They were all just dumbfounded that this drunk who professed to be Catholic would want now to go to a Christian church. But they went. They went one time and they went a second time. And by a third time, the missionary now had this man and his family on his radar and started following up on them. Made several several visits, and about the third visit, the missionary led this man to Christ. Accepts Christ. The following week he goes back to the house again, and this man's wife accepts Christ. In the following three months, all six children except Christ as Savior. Alfonso Chacon's passion for this family was the reason that that man and his family came to Christ. That, that drunk and that womanizer and that, that wicked man was my grandfather. And four generations later, my grandfather, my dad, myself, now my children. Know Christ because a Christian had a passion for God. And there are four churches in Nicaragua and thousands have been saved, and there are three churches in Argentina and hundreds have been saved. My sister serving as pastor's wife there in, in Brisbane, another pastor's wife there in Ohio, and now my children know the Lord because a man just simply didn't let the message of Christ be something that, well, this is mine, I'll go to eternity, and this is something I know. No, his passion to see others saved, and his passion to, see, to please and to live for the Lord was what made the difference in my life. You know, if we live this this life with a passion for this earth, or for this world, the moment that we die, our passion dies with us. But if we live with a passion for God, we'll have fruit even after we're dead. Brother Alfonso Jagon has been in heaven for the past fifteen years. But you know, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all the souls being saved in Nicaragua and Argentina is fruit to his account. Because he lived with a passion for God. One day you and I will stand before the Lord. And our passion or our lack of it will be judged. Do you have a passion for God? Will your passion affect those in your family, in your workplace, in this country, the world for Christ? Josiah's passion made a difference in his own life, in his nation, in his whole generation. We can think of men in the past, men like Adoniram Judson and Willem Carey and Hudson Taylor and David Livingston and Dylan Moody, all these men that we've read about with incredible passion for the Lord. God used them in, in mighty ways. We can read about them and you can think about you know, how they lived and we can glean on, on wow, how excellent God's work through them. But God desires to use every one of us. But will it be that we live our lives, our Christian lives, so distracted with things on this earth that when we come before Christ, it will simply be wood, hay, and stubble. Now let's live our life with a passion for the Lord. We never know who that next person or that next conversation will lead to. But if we're living for this earth, it will lead to nothing. If we live for for Christ, every day we can make a difference for eternity.